When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another class in session. A little break from it. With me, I have a special friend. Uh, Brian, yeah. How you doing, Brian? All right, let me unmute you real quick. Yeah, yeah. Here you just fine. Okay, man. Uh, this is unofficially a Valorant month. We had Sean earlier in the month, and we spent another uh, last week kind of talking about performance. But this week, I'm actually very looking forward to it because we have you, uh, one of the biggest uh, thing with environment art, and at least. Any type of 3D content consideration is, uh, starts with the concept department. And I think what's great is that having you here is kind of uh, highlight a lot of that side of how actually an environment gets started. Um, but before that, do you mind kind of introducing yourself, like a brief background of where you're from and uh, where you're hidden? All that beautiful background information. Yeah, so... Um- I started doing concept uh, back in 2003. Uh, first game company was at Insomniac. Uh, but before that, uh, I went to school at uh, Art Center, uh, studied illustration. Uh, I started uh, in 1999 and then graduated in 2002. Prior to that, uh, I was actually in a totally different field. I was in the uh, uh, science field, uh, namely uh, biology. And uh, I've worked there in that field for two years as a, uh, a biotech uh, researcher. Uh, we were, at that time, we were uh, working on the uh, on cloning or at least sequencing the uh, human genome. Uh, project. I don't know if you guys heard of that way back, but uh, that was in the very beginning uh, of that project. So I worked in it for two years and something didn't feel right. Uh, I felt that you know games was something that I wanted to do. So that's why I attended Art Center. So after Art Center, I went there for about four years. Uh, and landed a job at Insomniac. I uh, worked there for about five and a half years. Uh, and that was my first game company. So I really wanted to stretch my wings. And I went on to... Went into animation. 
um, and a concept for that did, did concept art for that, uh, which was a very different experience. Um, and then after that, uh, went back to the games again, um, or that night dog for, uh, for uncharted two, uh, after that project, uh, went back, got another opportunity at animation at, uh, Disney image movers with, uh, Doug Chang, uh, he was running a department over there, uh, working for a Disney project. Uh, at the time, it was, it was the uh, Yellow Submarine. <clears throat> uh, they got canceled. And unfortunately, the studio also uh, shut down. So I went back into games. Uh, back into, I came back down to LA, uh, worked at Spark Unlimited on Lost Planet 3, and that's where I met uh, Brandon. Uh, and worked there for about you know three and a half years after the project, and then uh, then went into uh, Amazon Game Studios where they were just starting a uh, game division. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, was there about for four years? Uh, worked on uh, various projects. Uh, the various, the most recent project that on Amazon was uh, Breakaway, but unfortunately that got canceled. <laughs> so uh, and then. Um, so section was a uh art outsource uh studio so we're still that was a service company and i was a uh a visual development director there so i had a team of 10 people 10 artists under me and uh we served different clients uh for different projects uh for example, like uh, Riot was one of our project, uh, one of our clients. So we did concepts for them. Whatever request they had, we did for that. Uh, you know, uh, Treyarch uh, did a lot of the Call of Duty Black Ops uh, concepts. So it was a good variety, and it was a very different. Uh, uh, it's a very different workflow than what I was used to because I was on the client side for most of my career and then now I'm on the service. So that was a really good experience. Um, and after that, uh, that studio uh, unfortunately um, had to close down about a year and a half later. So uh, that's when I joined Riot, uh, which is where I'm at currently. And, and I worked on Valorant. So that's kind of the the gist of my career. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it's a wide swath, man. Uh, and we had some overlap, you know, obviously we, we met at spark and then, uh, although we didn't work at section together, we kind of know the, the same people. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think one of the, the, the questions that going back to concept art, right. Um, Obviously, you had a passion for it, and uh, I, I actually determine you as one of the best environment concept guys I know because there's a lot of environment concept people, obviously, in the industry, and I've worked with, obviously, a lot since, you know, being in the environment art production pipeline. Uh, naturally, we talk to the concept team a lot uh, to run ideas, and the ones that separates, in my opinion, from... Uh, average to the best ones have been the ones that understand at least the process of game environments. Uh, so even at a senior level, there's a lot of um, 
environment concept guys that don't understand or and gals that don't understand that process so that they come up with pretty pictures but then when you try to break it down in the environment it's just not practical uh or it doesn't translate well was this something that you had to to learn uh or was it something that naturally uh came to you because you you experiment with 3d as well um well thanks for the compliments first of all um I think a lot of it comes from the uh, how I was initially trained right out of school. Uh, when I got out of, when I got out of Art Center and got a job at Insomniac, uh, they didn't put me into concept art full time right away. Uh, they had me do that part time, but they also wanted to. Uh, train me in environment art so i had to learn 3d because uh you know it was a small team and uh at the time uh, i think there were only about 50 people when i joined and they needed a lot of help as well uh to also help contribute to building levels so they trained me at a in maya and, and also how to work in the uh, engine at the time uh to help build assets now it wasn't a very you know glorious uh, task. You know I was I was doing mostly prop, you know prop building and stuff, uh, and then eventually I went into uh, environment art uh, 3D. Uh, so I think that's that's where I learned most of the nuances of uh, of building for a uh, level in 3D and and learning all the limitations and um, also understanding what. 3D environment art uh, entails uh, all the limitations and then stuff that you could get away with. So I think all that stuff helped me uh, cognizant of, of all the uh, of all the shortcomings and, and benefits of 3D. And from there, I I was able I'm able to apply it to my concept, and I still do. Um, like even now. When I start, when I start, you know, concepting a level, uh, I do these really rough sketches. But after I get to a certain point, then I'll actually build a block out uh, based on the designer block out. So I'll build a block out with the art block out, which is you know, which has prettier silhouettes on top of the designer mesh, and from there, then I'll draw over my own block out, and then. Um, and that process is really useful because it's very useful for the 3D artists, but it's also useful for the uh, designers. So they could actually validate to see if uh, the art blackout matches or, or is in line with their uh, design blackout because the design blackout is very important. So, um, so having those, having the marriage between those two things uh, really helps uh speed up the, the whole process and makes it overall efficient. So I think this is where a perfect time to actually um, pull up some of your art station work on Valorant and we can kind of go through the sure. process for each piece. So when we talked to Sean and especially this month talking about Valorant, what I loved about Valorant is that it actually leveraged a lot of um, game development cheating 
to still look good and run really well on 10 year old computers. And um, a lot of that is has to do with good planning on, on both the 2D and 3D content pipeline, but especially on the 2D, because obviously uh, level designers, I don't know how much experience you've had with level designers or working with level designers, but level designers always liked flat walls and flat floors. They don't like anything organic. They like yep. perpendicular lines and nothing. And at most maybe 45 degree angles. Yeah. So yeah. It, it takes a lot of work to um, make that look good. Not saying mm-hmm. impossible, but it, it's difficult, but people or projects like Valorant that, does it well. Uh, Counter-Strike is another example or most multiplayer games, to be honest, uh, that do really well have that very flat look, but putting the details in the right places. So how how much, you know, I think once you pull up the, some of the screenshot, we can look at that as an example. How much was that at the pre-production for you and the team to, to kind of decide early on, like, Hey, we're, we're obviously limited, uh, on details, but how can we make that look interesting into a style? Uh, well, first off, you know, we were very intentional on uh, designing the spaces. So, for example, if you notice Valorant, uh, a lot of the uh, detail uh, at player height is minimized. And we tend not to have too much detail in the sight of where the player is going to shoot. Uh, if you look at the walls, for example, uh, it, you know, in the screenshots, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty plain, but it has some detail to kind of grab interest. Uh, and the reason we do that is because, you know, when a, when a player stands in front of the wall, they're going to pop out pretty obviously. Right. And that's, that's, you know, I love I love the, designs that we do are very player focused. Uh, we always think of the player first, uh, on what they're experiencing. Um, and, and also giving that clarity to the players so that, you know, if, you know, Valorant becomes, you know, competitive, uh, that's really important as well. So, so we keep the, you know, we keep the line of sight and player as a player, uh, point of view, uh, pretty simple and clean, very graphic, uh, but also that's that's due to the you know um, engine limitations and the frame rate. We want to keep the frame rate down, so that's the direction that we want to choose as well. Um, but uh, all the details that you see is up at top, up on top of the uh, gameplay space. Uh, if you look at uh, ascent, right? That's the uh, the Venice level. So a lot of the Details or the filigree of the buildings are up on top, uh, where the bomb part it's pretty clean for the most part, right? Like we'll have some you know textual uh, textual detail on there, but it's not it's not a lot to distract the player uh, to what they're from their objectives. Uh, are, am I showing the art station, or are you showing the art station? Sorry. Why don't you go ahead and show it so that it's better for us to follow along. But in the meantime, what I can do is I can pull up a scent. And so people have some ideas. 
What are you talking about? Okay, but yeah, at any point, go ahead and start sharing. There's a lot of levels name. <laughs> name ascent. Can you guys see this? Yeah. Okay. So just to give a, a little disclaimer, when I first came in, uh, the game was already in pretty good progress. Uh, so the stuff that I posted is only the stuff I can really show, um, which is mostly on Split. Uh, that's the that's the Neo Tokyo and Bo Tokyo level, and I did some stuff on uh, Ascent as well, but not a whole lot. I mean, I I did a lot of painovers, but in terms of um, showing more exciting stuff, there wasn't really much exciting stuff as Split. Because Split was something that I helped uh, start ground up uh, for at least for the Kingdom side. Um, okay. So let me. Show you this here. So this is uh, split, and this is the attacker spawn. This is where the attackers spawn uh, from their side, and uh, this one uh, showcases the plaza uh, of what kingdom the kingdom environment is, uh, and kingdom is really like this, you know, big. Corporation. If you think of it like Apple or Amazon, um, there is a very clean architecture. Very. Uh, this is kind of more the front-facing uh, st- uh, architecture that Kingdom has. It's kind of like uh, it, you know, it's a very uh, consumer-heavy feel. Like kind of like what you see today at, at Apple stores. Very uh, minimalistic. Uh, very modern. So this was a paint over of uh, that level because we wanted to see uh, how it would look like just to just to sell the idea of what, what this uh, Kingdom Corporation uh, looks like. And this is another paint over as well. Uh, this is one of the earlier paint overs. So we wanted to have you know kind of showcase like some sort of garden or plaza, um, and that's a train station right here. So, so what, what's the process quick. like usually uh, for the students out there who, are, who haven't been in a level team? You get your direction, yeah. uh, a combination of different disciplines. Uh, can you kind of walk us through that, like the initial pitch idea to to kind of sitting with the level environment team, uh, trying to help uh, picture what they're thinking? Yeah, so the pitch idea usually starts with the, you know, we meet the creative director and uh, uh, we go through the uh, different pillars of the level. And then uh, and then we all brainstorm, okay, what, what is this level going to be? Um, you know, how it's going to look like? What does it need to have uh, that matches the narratives? Uh, and then from there, we start doing like a lot of the brainstorm sketches. Uh, you know, of what the level is. Uh, but, you know, already there's a designer block mesh, so we have to follow that um, pretty closely because uh, one thing about working on a tactical shooter versus, like, something like Uncharted, for example, uh, you know, we have to really respect the right angles and the boxes, right? 
because they those boxes, those those hit spaces, those are really important uh, when it comes to tactical shooters because you can't have anything that's rounded. Like for example, like this edge here, you can't have anything that's kind of sticking out or irregular, right? Uh, as you would say, like in Charted, where things are pretty modeled pretty accurately to the real world, which has it doesn't have perfect straight edges, right? But for tactical shooters, you must have a clean edge, right? So that limitation itself is very challenging to, um, it can be challenging to concept around. Um, but what we do is we try to, you know, think of creative ways to, uh, for example, like maybe we could have some really cool details in the edges, but also retain the, the clean straight edge, right? Um, any textual details or uh, or designs within this this box that that could help break uh, that boxy shape? Because you know, as artists, we don't like we don't like boxy shapes. Um, or anything that we could pop out of this box that doesn't interfere with gameplay. That's that's valid too. Um, so. Like for this, this, uh, this is a scent. This is the uh, B spike site. And this one, you know, this one was, uh, again, like these arches here where the player hides inside when someone plants a bomb. Um, that has to be straight, right? But anything above here, like artist detail, it's fine because the player would never go up here because most of the gameplay details focus on this area right here. So, the place that we could break the rules is anything that's above game players, gameplay space. Did you uh, find a, a good percentage that um, that felt right as you guys were developing more levels and finding the language of the game, what you can get away with, what details to put on the player path versus above the player height uh, that doesn't uh, inflate, interfere with gameplay? Like how much back and forth did you have with designers' environment uh, when when they couldn't um, couldn't agree with the non straight edge or you know of course your your department's going to do your best to avoid that but there's always yeah. going to be like oh can't really have this uh, if you have like a specific yeah. example to kind of talk about that'd be great yeah there's there's a really I mean there, there's quite a few uh, examples of that. Uh, you know, designers are very flexible, which is great. Uh, you know, right? Like it's it's a very collaborative uh, environment, and uh, you know they also respect uh, what what the artists uh, have to say as well. Uh, so it's not like a you know like a set in stone type of um, rule where okay, well you gotta make this box exactly the way it is. No, um, if we could find solutions like so for example uh there's this one area on uh, split uh one of the towers has a really weird the architecture had a very weird angle you come to this door but it has this weird angle where, where it kind of points to the uh, corridor where the players would come in and from an architectural point of view that didn't make much sense right like say well hey can we like kind of change this whatever but then like the designer uh, you know, he explained that no, we need this for gameplay and 
and he kind of demonstrated like why we need that. And okay, well, at that at that point, like okay, well, we have to. That's a you know our team. We have to compromise. Like, well, we, we just have to think of something to to make sense of that, right? And at the end, it works uh, worked pretty well. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't obviously you know weird uh, visually, you know, because we found solutions by maybe putting some vents on top just to kind of help uh, kind of help. You know, alleviate some of the the odd angles and so forth. Uh, so that's that's you know that's one example. Uh, another example sometimes where we would suggest like, hey, what if we move this this rectangular block to this side? You know, sometimes they'll do. Sometimes they'll actually say, okay, yeah, we'll try that, and then and then as long as it you know doesn't deviate from the main uh the main gameplay uh elements or it doesn't change gameplay uh where it gives a huge advantage to you know the defender side or attacker side uh then yeah they'll they'll actually you know uh, help you know um collaborate on that on that uh effort uh, so it's a lot back and forth right and also like you know maybe towards the end of the production of the level yeah, you know, sometimes they'll make last minute changes. And as you can see, like in the updates when you're playing Valorant, sometimes you'll see stuff change around. Like like in this screenshot that you're showing, uh, when you go when you go outside from uh, vent, you know, we used to have this big wall right right there, but now it's like now they change it to uh yeah, if you see that big big box right there, uh where the where the vent room comes out, well we removed that wall and now we put smart boxes because it just felt better and less claustrophobic. So don't do that in real time uh, while the game is live. So, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I think one of the things I think students don't realize is how collaborative building environment is. And the one, one of the things, even if you're working well uh, as for, as an environment artist with a designer, designers always, uh, thinking that creatively we're more flexible in whatever gameplay needs they have, right? Versus, um, yeah, vice versa, right? They, there's like, this is how the game plays and this is how it plays great. Therefore, think of something, draw something, <laughs> leave me alone, right? I mean, that's just a very yeah. brute way of saying, uh, you know, gameplay is key and, uh, you guys creatively can think of something, uh, no matter what. In, yeah. in some cases, we can propose something because visually, you know, the inspiration for or the motivation for changing things uh, visually looks better, but then it might give that designer a, an idea for gameplay. And I, I've seen cases like that mm-hmm. personally, yeah, uh, where where that ha- have worked. But in most cases, uh, the the pushback is very expected from design uh, always uh, because they, they you know. They, they they play tested this block out level for forever yeah uh before yeah. in in some cases uh environment team or art team comes on board so they're very tied to it and uh yeah the way i think takes, about it yeah, so, a, yeah go ahead the, the way i look at it uh, especially for this type of game is that you know gameplay is going to be king and then art is something that's 
it's almost secondary in a way where you know the gameplay is always going to trump everything uh, because you want to have uh, you know player experience is always first. Right? Um, you can't sacrifice bad gameplay for good art right? because the gameplay is is the key. So um, the way I like to kind of think of it is that, you know, if gameplay was the kind of the skeleton and then art is like the skin that goes on top of, mm-hmm. you know, of the, of the level. Uh, and then whatever we could do as, as artists to kind of help push that, then that's awesome. But if, I mean, there are times where things are not, uh, they're not flexible. So we have to think of creative solutions to, to address the both the design blockout, but also address the art, right? And and it, you know, it, it's not like a win-win or lose situation, but it's just it's just like collaboration. It's you know, it's a team effort. It's not about you know, as an artist, it's not about you or or you know, like hey, I want to get this, I want to get my cool concept in there. And no, it's nothing like that. It's, it's actually very collaborative, and uh, and that's something I think a lot of. Uh, you know, when students, when students go into the field, like you'll know, you, you'll see right away that, that it's, it's, it's a very, um, it's almost like a 50, 50, uh, collaboration. Well, maybe 60, 40, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, designers always have, have a, you know, they have more of a say, right. Um, but art is really more to kind of help support that vision help support by bringing those visuals uh online right but in games like the game designs you know that's that's probably the highest priority so let's talk about the um one of the biggest things with students is that unless they have a concept ready or they're looking for ways to kind of create a portfolio piece either 3d or 2d is that uh they they don't what's not being taught a lot at least for 3d artists is the process of coming up with an idea and fleshing it out before um before making it so if you can get provide a little bit uh of, of your thinking process like one of those valorant maybe a creative director has an idea but what, what is the next steps that you usually take to gather references to uh break things down uh through shapes then color then material and textures uh to help guide environment artists when, when you hand it off uh i, I think that part of the process would be uh, greatly sureful um yeah so after you know like i mentioned before after we meet with the creative director and all the stakeholders uh, you know they give us that kind of we lost high so they give us a high level like oh, yeah they give us a high level second. like hey <laughs> yeah um so they give us a high level like you know let's say for for this level uh split like you know so, oh we want a kind of neo neo tokyo corporation so that's kind of a high level and then for for us artists now that's our job to kind of research okay what was mean by the kind of neo neo tokyo corporation that's that's attached to kingdom uh thing uh so we do a lot of research and come up with uh, different shape languages by uh, you know after doing research we do a bunch of thumbnails you know so um actually let me share that 
share screen view again. Okay. The art station. When you talk about shape languages, uh, do you talk about mostly about playing with primitive shapes, um, simple shapes, or do you go just pen on paper and, and just plotting it down? I, I guess you're about to show that. Um, so we go, you know, we go with uh, different uh, shapes as well. Um, let's see. Let's go with this one here. For example, like, you know, well, in this page, uh, we're trying to figure out the, let's see, I'm trying to, okay, here we go. Let me try to expand this. There we go. Um, so for this, for this particular uh, page, uh, we were trying to figure out what the uh, architecture shape language is for split. Right? What kind of, what would a kind of front facing consumer style building or, or residential building look like. Uh, so here, like, uh, this is a page you kind of explore different languages. And as you can see, the languages are very kind of more simple, modern architecture influenced uh, shapes, uh, kind of boxy, but then you have different tonal breakups. And these shapes work because it, it also fits into the, uh, also fits into the uh, gameplays gameplay requirements, which needs to be right angles, right? Uh, we can't have any curved uh, structures, at, at least at this point. So so this is like a page to kind of show the designers, hey, this is what we're looking at. Uh, but it also fits the uh, visual language for the art. Uh, let's go back here. Another one is... So another way to start this as well is um, so you find it here. Okay. So this is the very early uh, ideation step where you see the block mesh here. This is designer block mesh. So here mm -hmm. on this side, this side's already been kind of figured out. This is the old site, but the new site was totally a total blank slate. Uh, so that was something that uh, I had spent a lot of time on in the beginning to kind of figure out what this space looks like. Uh, and then from there, like I'll, I'll do like really quick, you know, loose sketches like this to kind of just to kind of show what this area can look like. Uh, but also spells out some of the themes. So it's just line value. And our art director, uh, Moby Frank, Moby Frankie, he, I don't know if you know that name, but he's really well known, really awesome guy. Uh, he worked on Team Fortress 1 and 2. He was the art mm -hmm. director for that. So, so, you know, a lot of the things that he uh, likes to push is just to do tonal, like, black and white value studies because he doesn't really care about color at this point because, uh, you know, the tonal studies of values, that, that informs a lot of information. Uh, it's for the foundation for, uh, of, of the shape languages and designs. Uh, and then from there, we'll add color on top. But uh, they want us to focus mostly on just uh, sketches and figuring out the shapes. So this one here, uh, this is something that I would initially do for at the, at the beginning of a level that I work on. And then from there, once I get kind of a more solid uh, refined concept, then I'll go ahead and actually uh, model some of the concepts that I did 
in uh, Maya and then imported into the engine so that the artists and designers, they could actually run around and see these concepts in the space itself, that model. So that has been very successful uh, in terms of getting quick validation on whether some of the shapes work or not uh, for the uh, for the gameplay. And as an example for this one, you know, initially I built, uh, you know, this half right here, and uh, we didn't have like good thing we did that early because we found that oh it was feeling kind of claustrophobic, so we had to knock down some of the buildings. Uh, so only like a couple of top buildings stood out, and the rest were pretty low. And also the architectural style changed uh, when I did this one here. So it changed about halfway to what you see right now, kind of more modern architecture. Uh, so yeah, so that's 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 the way that um, that's kind of like the process that we kind of go back and forth. Uh, so from so from the thumbnail stage, so once we figure out the shape language and the thumbnails. Uh, then we, you know, show you know our director and, and uh, the artist and say, hey, what do you think of this? Um, they say that's cool. Then we, then they'll choose you know a direction and they say, oh, we like this thumbnail. Go ahead and refine that. So we go ahead and refine that, and make it more detailed. Uh, so eventually, you're building from something that's really loose. Uh, we call that kind of a wide exploration to something that's more deep. Uh, meaning that it, you get more in depth into more detail, so we go wide to deep, um, and from the refinement, then we we add, start adding different colors and see like, okay, well, will this will this material work? You know, will this color work? Uh, is it too noisy for gameplay and so forth? So we start doing paint overs uh, at some point. Once the yeah, once once the three uh, D artists they take our concepts and they start blocking. Our concepts in. Uh, then once we get a pretty good uh, grayscale block mesh, which represents the overall concept, then they'll start adding colors and materials. And that's when we kind of figure out like uh, which colors work and which colors don't. Now, if you see in the screenshots right now, like you see like a lot of the walls are pretty toned down, right? Like there's no there's no loud colors or anything because if you have a loud color, you're not going to see the player. It's going to be too distracting. People are going to get mad. They're going to like, you know, go on Reddit and say, Hey man, this, what's up with this? And, um, so we don't, we don't really we want to avoid that. Right. So we want to keep the colors kind of more, more towards neutral, but with little, you know, accent pops. Uh, but as you see here in this, in this screenshot, like all the, all the walls are pretty plain and we do have some, you know, tonal breakups and with, with more interesting shapes. And then occasionally we'll have some detail on the walls, which, which are probably not important to gameplay. Uh, so that's, that's kind of like the overall design uh, for environments uh, is the overall philosophy that we're trying to bring in for, for Valorant when we build uh, environments. And also the, um, if you look at the breakups, some of the, if you look at some of the, uh, like that uh, two-tone water, you know, sometimes we'll line that up to where the um, the head height is. 
So players could instinctively kind of land for headshots. Uh, so stuff like that that will, you know, integrate uh, in the in the concept into environments. Yeah, that's pretty. And cool. of course, like you know, it's it's heavily uh, tested by the designers as well, and they'll give us suggestions on on uh, moving things around as well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, like that. I mean, there's a couple of things there that I, I feel like a lot of developers don't even think about is the um, the tone of that wall. It seems like it's like a 40 to 60% range that you guys constantly are staying within super neutral uh, yeah. accents. It seems like doors or, or second level like this one hazard lines uh, gameplay specific colors used for accents uh, for players to move around quicker. That makes sense. Exactly. Me. Yeah. So if you see those two yellow things, those ascenders, you know, we mark those yellow because that's obviously something that you need to get up there. Right. So what's, you know, what's, what's more, uh, attention grabbing other than yellow to kind of like right. bring you up there. So a lot of these accents that you see around the level is it's are ways to kind of help the player or at least to guide the player to, to where they need Moving to go. Around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that like, uh, environment artists are, are have to do. Uh, I think within a reason, a lot of students or people are getting in the industry, they concentrate their, their portfolio to making things look really pretty, but not very practical sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, especially now. Like there's, there's just so many tools to make things like a million polys, uh, just a corner, uh, just to make it look good and ridiculous. Um, but I, I think now that there's so many candidates with good looking portfolio, uh, studios are kind of forced to, um, be more picky and, uh, a lot more, uh, nitpicking on, on details of, well, would this actually be functional? Uh, yeah. Which and I think, to. you know, um, yeah, yeah I think, you know, just to add to that, um, I think, you know, if you're coming out of school, obviously, you know, you want your portfolio to be really, uh, polished, right. But it also helps to have a sketchbook, uh, showing your process. Um, because, um, a lot of times when you have that really fancy portfolio out there, uh, this is more, this is more for, uh, I'm speaking more for concept arts, um, uh, because concept art, you know, it's not just about making something look really beautiful and pretty. Uh, actually that's only a very small percentage. Uh, the, the main percentage is that as a 60, 60, 70% of the time, you're going to be doing a lot of problem solving, like figuring out, figuring out what the, how the space will work. Well, given the limitations of the level design, right? Uh, like, how do you design out this box where it has to be a box? So that's where you have to get kind of get very creative on, in terms of how do you problem solve a visual visual language where it's where you have a lot of limitations. Uh, but I think also it's just you know a lot of the a lot of times, you know, when I was in, when I'm a veteran, uh, a lot of my day goes 
some really quick, just really quick sketches, just really quick solves for each area. Like an artist would come up and say, "Hey, you know, Brian, I need, I need a, I need a quick paint over, a quick sketch of this area." Um, and you'll have that done within like an hour or a couple hours, right? Just, just to unblock them because some of the environment artists they, uh, they don't, uh, they have some, you know, they don't have the, uh, um, I guess they have a problem to, to figure out what that point is. And as a job, as a concept artist, it's kind of to kind of help support the 3D artists, um, to, to unblock them. Right. Um, so, so a lot of them is just, it's, it's almost like you're the, uh, <laughs> I like to think of it as the, uh, you guys watch Saving Pride, Ryan, like you know that medic that kind of goes around and, kind of patches everyone up so that's you know that's kind of like my job sometimes every week like i'm kind of going around each artist and say hey you know what do you need like oh you need a sketch over okay here you go like or, or you need like it's a quick five minute draw over you know stuff that kind of helps uh make the whole production line go smoothly while solving the problem at the same time uh, so that's that's you know in my experience that's always been the case where you know, like uh, back at Amazon, like I was the only environment concept artist, and I'll be supporting five artists, and each of them will have different requests. So all my sketches were like done within an hour, or maybe like a couple hours at the most. You know, it's never any like really cool painting, unless it's the beginning of the project where I'm doing blue sky. Then that's the best part is when you do the really fun paintings, uh, but. But other than that, like a lot of times you're just doing paint overs. Yeah. And, and I can share at least the other side of that uh, as an environment guy that I'm in the editor all the time. I'm, I'm trying to think about technical specifications and making sure, uh, you know, translating the idea to, to work with the designer and constantly, you know, working and collaborating and finding a compromise. Right. A lot of that is that it's not mm-hmm. just listening to the designer uh you know because he's or she is human too right um yep so the 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 idea is not to argue but to kind of inspire ideas uh that that person didn't initially think of because creatively they they're not looking around at real world situations as, as much as we are with the architecture or environments whenever we walk out they're just thinking of the best way I can describe it is that they're just thinking about getting, getting from A to B while we as artists are, are kind of taking a look around at the scenery of what does A to B look like. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, because of that, uh, the, the, I feel a lot of designers who, who have initial idea could have their blinders on and, and uh, not really anticipate a lot of that experience besides just gameplay. Uh, because visually yeah. it's part of the experience as well. So uh, yeah, with, exactly. with students um, and I guess with you, right. Uh, you know, when I'm, I'm going to concept artists, I'm, I'm looking for uh, exploring ideas that I haven't thought of before. And a sketch is the best way to do it because, you know, for me, the block that out in 3d has its advantages, but, uh, it takes way longer, right? And just, just, yeah, everything is just a time consuming process in the concept guy. Mm-hmm. You guys have just, you know, 
I would say more than half your job is about researching and constantly building that encyclopedia in your head to kind of pull from. And so naturally, you're, I, I feel concept artists are just better with coming ideas uh, faster. And when you're in a time crunch, uh, why not rely on that uh, more so than you figuring out how to make things run and like taking the time to do research and development. So the sketches yeah, and, you know, have uh, been very helpful in my recent jobs because it's just, oh, OK, yeah, this is great. I can describe something. You can uh, come up with a cool idea and then, yeah, I can run with that. And we go back and forth when it comes to um, shape and language and color theory and, and all that. And so it's more iterative. And I've been actually preferring that being an environmentalist. I would say going forward, like what I do see is is actually an issue that's been coming up a lot with. And I do agree with you, like since there's so much and what you say is not just for concept portfolios, it's actually for like 3D environment portfolios as well, is that uh, students need to start showing their thinking process. Uh, a little peek behind the scene because it can't just be a pretty picture anymore. There's just so many pretty pictures no. that uh, get submitted at Riot, let's say, right? And yeah, uh, for you, well, to anywhere, apart, anywhere, anywhere, yeah, anywhere. Um, I can tell you a story. Uh, when I applied to NIDA, you know, I, I worked with uh, Rob Rupel. I don't know if you know Rob Rupel, amazing, amazing artist, uh, also a good friend of mine. But, uh, but when I first met Rob, uh, you know, he was the art director on Chart 2. And uh, he was in charge of the, the whole concept department. So I went in there, you know, being all nervous and stuff. Like I had my, I had my really pretty portfolio, but then like, uh, but he also requested to bring a couple of sketchbooks. And I said, oh, okay. Well, a good thing I had like a couple of sketchbooks of all my past work. Um, so when he looked at, you know, like he was looking through my portfolio, my, my polished portfolio. He didn't really... I said, okay, yeah, that's cool. And then, then he started looking at a sketchbook. And that's when um, a lot of conversations started to happen. And, and later on, he told me, like, the reason that he wanted to look at a sketchbook is that he wants to see how the thought processes, uh, you know, how, where, how I think when I solve these, these uh, visuals, right? Uh, because he said, like, you know, he, like you said, like he sees a lot of really pretty portfolios, but then um, a lot of times when it comes to problem solving, the you know, design and and just drawing in general, a lot of uh, students they they kind of uh, they don't do so well in that department. They just do really nice pictures, but when you have mm -hmm. to break down your painting, your own painting, and say, hey, you know, what what's this prop going to be? What's this? Uh, you know things kind of break down. So that all kind of goes back to having a solid foundation as well. Um, having a solid foundation meaning that, you know, your, uh, your design foundation has to be really good. Your, mm -hmm. your drawing skills, your line and value sketches have to be really good. Um, has to be pretty solid. Um, because concept art is not only about just making pretty pictures, but it's also, you think about it, it's also about communication, right? Uh, you're communicating not only to the audience, but you're communicating to your own team when you're trying to solve a certain situation on a level. So, so that's really important. So if you guys have, 
you know, sketchbooks that you could show that kind of show your processes and a process on how you, how you came up with that final idea. That's, that's really good. That's something that a lot of companies want to see uh, these days because, you know, if you look at our station, there's a lot of, a lot of artwork that's really good out there. Right. Yeah. And everyone has really high skill, but I think what will separate, uh, you know, one artist from another is how they actually, how they uh, filter that process down. I completely so, agree with you. I think some of the examples. Yeah. So like, like these, yeah. Yeah. These are were, sketches, right. That I showed yeah. uh, mm-hmm. when I was interviewed. So these are really like stuff to do. They do want to look at and it's a good conversation started during an interview as well. No, they're not very pretty, but, uh, it gets the idea across on how you got there. Yeah, I think, I think exactly we're, we're in the age of art station, right? There's literally thousands of pretty pictures uh, being generated every day on the front page uh, for every discipline in the art department, right? Uh, Not just concept, but 3d as well. Characters, environment, you know, you break it down even further. Uh, It's insane. An insane amount of talent. But uh, what's yeah. uh, what's very, um, I would say, very scarce still is that, uh, like what I'm showing right now, just a technical breakdown. And on the environment side, just understanding gameplay, uh, creating art for gameplay. And the stuff that we mentioned before, like uh, the climbing rope, ladders, uh, eye level, um, accent lines, right, for, for headshots. If you can pr- mm-hmm. convey that and and show a potential employer like Riot or any of these companies that you think like that, that you understand that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. a pretty picture won't usually tell you that unless you have a breakdown. And so, uh, more importantly, more important than ever that you're going to have to have that going forward, especially a student going into the industry. Um, you know, a pretty picture plus showing that you understand game art and not just art. Yeah. I think one of the, you know, one of the, uh, things that I suggest to some of the students that I used to teach is to, if you're coming up with your own project, pretend you're, you could actually take an existing game and kind of retheme the, uh, retheme the visuals, right. You know, like, for example, like uh, Mass Effect or you can make Mass Effect into a pirate game. But but having that pirate theme, you know, you have to readdress all the design elements and all that stuff. Um, so that's something that's that's something that you could try where, where you could put a narrative to your designs. Uh, and that's something that I try to do a lot when, I, when I'm designing a prop or our design environments is I try to add a narrative to uh, to everything I do because uh, having some sort of narrative or story behind it uh, really helps uh, ground your design but also but also helps push you to making that, that design more unique if that makes sense, right? Rather than feeling generic. Um, and that story could be like a personal story or it could be something that, you know, 
um, something from your own experience and so forth. Well, Brian, uh, I want to thank you for your time for coming on. It's been oh, thanks for having me on. Great talking to you, <laughs> as always. Yeah, we'll catch up some more. I think yeah. uh, during quarantine, I need to call people more. It's getting so boring at home. I know. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's stay in con- uh, connected. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch up some other time. Yeah.